If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everyone, to Podcast Unlocked, episode 569. I am your host, Stella Chung, today subbing in for Ryan McCaffrey because... He's really busy right now. Uh, joining me as usual is Destin Legary. Bam! Super happy to be joining us today. Just exuberance of joy. Yeah, and then we have Gary Witta. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you on. I think this is your first time here, so I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, I don't know how desperate you had to be to call me. I imagine I was pretty far down the list, but I'm always available at short notice, so happy to help. Oh my goodness. No, not at all. And Paris, I think this is your, I don't know what, second, third? You've been on before. Yeah, I've been on a few times. I, I, it's been a while. I think it's, it's been over a year since I've been on, but, but glad to be back. Yeah, I, honestly, I figured you and Gary would be the perfect combination of chaos in this episode, so I'm really <laughs> excited. <laughs> all right, so a few things first before we dive into the topics today, which we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to plug IGN.com slash rewards. We are going to be pushing that because it is live now, which is really exciting. It's free for everyone. There's 20 plus perks and discounts that gamers will actually care about. Uh, discounts on Dream Gear, Power A, Humble Bundle, the IGN store. So, and you can also have an opportunity to win one of five IGN DX Racer gaming chairs, which is pretty cool. I don't even have one of those. So yeah, you should check it out. It is free for everyone again, and it's just an IGN.com slash rewards. So that is what you should just definitely check out. But without further ado, let's get into our first topic, which is a pretty big one that I know a lot of people have been talking about. Netflix is partnering with the Coalition to develop a Gears of War movie alongside an adult animated series. So just to give people a little bit more background, Netflix tweeted on its official account, Gears of War was released 16 years ago today, and to mark the occasion, Netflix has partnered with The Coalition to adapt the Gears of War video game saga into a live-action feature film, followed by an adult animated series with the potential for more stories to follow. So, I also want to point out that the series creator Cliff Blazinski, um responded by tweeting, oh shit. <laughs> 
So, Destin, how do you feel about this? I'm wondering if it's going to translate really well to to cinema. I suppose so. Hmm. Like the games have a pretty pretty good story, and I can imagine Dave Bautista gearing up and rocking that role. But uh, yeah, sort of lukewarm on it. If I'm being honest, I'm a little surprised. Uh, yeah, that's that's the long and the short of my reaction to it. Okay, and Gary, you are the writer of Rogue One, so you have some history with writing scripts. <laughs> um, how do you feel about this? How what do you feel like the process is going to be for from taking Gears of War from a video game adaptation to a uh, full on movie and also animated series? Yeah, so as you uh, as you point out, screenwriting is my is my day job these days. Video games are kind of more of a hobby. It's always been my my passion, but I don't work professionally in video games anymore. I'm a full time screenwriter these days, and have been for many years. And in fact, my um, my association uh, with this goes goes back to not just being generally a screenwriter and being interested in this world, but I actually have some uh, history with this specific project. Back in 2013, I remember pitching a version of Gears of War. Uh, to Scott Stuber back in the day. Scott Stuber used to be the head of Universal Pictures. And back in 2013, I think he had his own production company with a first look deal at Universal. And he was interested in making a Gears of War movie back then. I remember pitching him on a particular take that I had. Obviously, nothing ever came together. I think they've tried many, many times to put this movie together. Scott Stuber, of course, now runs Netflix, which is where this movie is set up. So I get the impression that he's probably always been a believer in this and has been looking for one way to make it or another. And now, now at Netflix, he's he's finally found a way to to move it forward we don't know the problem is we don't know anything yet right we don't know who's writing it we don't know who's directing it we don't know anything about like the creative approach only all we have to really go on is the gears of war property itself and is this is this good fodder for a for a movie and i i i think it does have uh the potential to be so it's got you know great mythology and lore you know cool characters i think it's got as much potential as any other uh video game adaptation out there but until we know who's actually going to be doing it who's directing who's writing uh, what's the what's the creative team? What's the creative approach? It's kind of hard to to form too much of an opinion. Yeah, and I forgot about the Gears of War movie that was stuck in development for about fifteen years, which is what you were kind of alluding to. Can we hear what your pitch was for the Gears of War project? Um, I, I mean, you're going back almost ten years. I just remember very vaguely what I my, my point was like these movies, these big Hollywood adaptations of like big video games and stuff like that. I think often get out of control because there's always a, 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 a tendency to want to make like the biggest version possible. And certainly, Gears of War, you know, which has all this kind of epic scale action, suggests that oh yeah, this has got to be like a two hundred million dollar movie. I think though that that's where a lot of these these movies get in trouble as soon as you as soon as you start spending crazy money you get into trouble creatively because you know there's there's a basic rule of hollywood the more money you spend on a project the less the more risk averse you become and the more you have to kind of feel like you've got to do a paint by numbers kind of formulaic approach and it's kind of hard to do something kind of edgy or risk-taking gears of war i think lends itself you know to more of an r-rated experience i think what i was pitching back in the day was like a smaller movie spend less money do it for 50 60 million dollars uh, I think my version of it was like mostly underground. It was more, more kind of James Cameron aliens kind of vibe than like epic kind of citywide cities, you know, kind of planetary scale destruction. I was trying to find a way to, to kind of make contain it and make it um, for a number, for a budget that was small enough that you could actually do some cool stuff, make it R-rated, make it really gory, make it something like The Descent, like a cool kind of underground horror movie or a starship trooper style bug hunt like i think that's that's the way i would still want to do it i hope they don't go out of control and want to do like this crazy insane version of it because again just in my own experience of working with hollywood the more the the, the higher the budget the 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 narrower the needle is that you have to thread creatively because people start getting nervous about anything that's too 
you know, risk taking or, you know, violent or gory or, you know, that might not be like fully four quadrant. I think Gears of War is, you know, by its nature, really violent, really aggressive, really gory, obviously very macho. I do think there's, there's cool characters and a story to tell, but like, I would want to stay, I would want to try and stay true to those versions um, of the, uh, of the story. The short version is I think there's a smaller Gears of War movie that you can make that would be really, really cool and more likely to stay true to the source material than like, you know, the full kind of $200 million Hollywood blowout that you might expect from a project like this. Gary, Gary, can I actually, can I ask you, what do you think happened with the Halo TV series? Because in my opinion, there's some pretty good stuff in there in terms of like the, the combat scenes and whatever. But there's also some stuff that just seems really odd, like the romantic interest, which seems out of character for Master Chief. You think that's studio interference? Like, how does that stuff end up in a in a Halo story? It's hard to say. I mean, I haven't seen the show. My TV backlog is is an embarrassment. Like, I'm so far behind on television right now. So, like, I I can't give you my opinion on whether or not I think the Halo TV show is good or bad because I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I I did follow a lot of the the, the discourse, you know, because on social media it's impossible. I feel like I have seen it with you know the amount of conversation <laughs> that that surrounds like big you know shows like this. Um, I don't know. I thought it was. I, I, I still feel like like taking the helmet off was was a weird choice. I don't know. I kind of feel like at some point or another it had to come off. I I I remember I actually pitched on a, on a different version of a Halo show many 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 years ago, and my argument was you, like don't center it around Master Chief because it's really really hard to build a show around a character that is essentially is kind of a cipher. I don't think there's much of a character there in Master Chief, to be quite honest with you. And I worked on Halo. I was a story consultant on, on um, Halo 5. And so I, and I remember a lot of my conversations was like, I just don't think Master Chief is the most interesting character because he's stuck behind a mask. He can't emote. There's very little, there's very little you can do with him. Like even in The Mandalorian and you know, other things where the characters typically wear a helmet or their face is obscured, the helmet you know, almost immediately comes off. And with Halo, they, they didn't wait around at all. So let's just, let's just get to it. Again, yeah, having but- not seen the show, I can't tell you like how well that, I feel like that creatively paid off. I just, I just think that might have been a, a, a different way to solve that problem. Yeah, Bungie's design intentions for Chief was to be a cipher. So you're right on the money there. Yeah, I mean, that goes all the way back to Stan Lee and Spider-Man saying, you know, the whole idea of like obscuring Spider-Man's face behind the mask was that any kid reading the comics could imagine that they were the one behind the mask and that because you know even to the even you know in the current day with spider-verse you know anyone can wear the mask is is uh is kind of the message it's 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 tough though when you've got these characters that um are very stoic that don't you know talk very much you just kind of grunt and have the occasional one-liner it's hard to build a character out of uh, out of something like that so again at some point i'll get around to the show and i'll have a better opinion for me it's it's a it's a tough master chief's a tough character to build a narrative show around i think yeah, I think especially when you have all these games that did build his character and then you open up a different cinematic universe for him. But uh, Paris, how do you feel about Gears of War coming to Netflix? Like Netflix specifically? I'm, I'm more excited for the animated series because I think there's a lot more potential there. Kind of what Gary was alluding to before, just with Hollywood budgets and, and live action, just typically getting out of control. And obviously the conversation that we just brought in with Halo gives me a little little pause on that as well. But I think the animated series is the one where I feel like they'll have more creative freedom to really dive into what make makes Gears of War Gears of War, right? Not, not to mention um, 
there's that opportunity of bringing back a lot of the uh, the voice cast. I mean, even more specifically, John DiMaggio could come back and, and voice Marcus Phoenix. Um, on the live action side, I mean, you know, everyone's saying Dave Bautista. He just seems like that would just be a logical person to put in as, as Marcus. My thing overall, no matter what they do with the, the actual standalone live action movie or the animated series, I think a lot of people forget the original Gears of War was more of a horror game than anything. Right. It was kind of this this near future on another planet, but it kind of leaned into more of the horror elements. And I actually thought that's kind of where they were going um, when, when we got to Gears 4. But they obviously went back to, to the model that we, we've seen, with you know, that they started with Gears 2 and 3 and beyond that. So I would like to see them do more of a, a horror type series, kind of have the locusts as more of these they're always a threat. There's someone that you're always afraid of. And then here comes the cogs coming in to, to save the day, but make it more of, like I said, a horror type of game or a horror type of series, I should say, versus, uh, you know, what we've seen with, with, with the games over the last decade or so. Ferris, as a, as a Destiny fan, I have to ask, are you more interested in seeing whatever they do with Destiny or more interested in seeing what they do with Gears? I'm more interested with Destiny yeah. <laughs> because I'm, too, I'm just a bigger fan of yeah. Destiny at, at this point. But I, I, I enjoy Gears. I enjoy the Gears series. I, I think 5 left it off in a good place. I think where they did with Hive Busters, which I think is very underrated. I don't think enough people have played Hive Busters. I kind of like that format the Coalition was going with it. So even if they go that direction, you know, with, with the animated series or, or, the, um, or the live action, I think I'd be okay with it. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You think we'll get this before Gear 6, Dustin? Oh, no. I don't think so. Well, Coalition is working on something new. They worked on the Matrix thing. They're constantly developing their technology. I feel like Gear 6 would come before this. Maybe they try and time it around the same time just so they pull a Last of Us because the Last of Us HBO series is coming. They just did the Last of Us Part 1 to tie those releases together. And I think that's smart in terms of marketing and uh, just general interest because you get that cross cross-pollination, for lack of a better term, of uh, interest from people who are into the the cinema side of things versus the game side of things. And, you know, then the gamer fans watch the television show and the television fans maybe check out the game. So, Okay. Yeah. Uh, Paris, you talked about the animated show being more interesting to you. Did you watch the cyberpunk uh, edge runners? Oh, yes. And that's exactly why I, yeah. I brought that up because <laughs> I thought with uh, Studio Trigger did along with CD Projekt Red with cyberpunk edge runners. I mean, look at the uptick with, with cyberpunk 2077 right now with player engagement. Um, and it's clearly held up beyond just the debut of edge runners that it really got people back into the game. So actually going into Destin's point, I think I think what would, would make sense is they probably do that live action movie, have that come out around the same time as whatever Gear 6 is going to be. And then after Gear 6 comes out, that's when you lean into the animated series to kind of keep keep the engagement going. And you're going to bring in that television audience to come in to play the game and vice versa. So, so, so yeah, that's Edge Runners is absolutely why I'm, I'm more excited about the animated series. Because, again, I thought they were able to do more than you would ever see in a live action cyberpunk movie or series or whatever the case because animation just allows you know you have complete creative freedom and your imagination can go wild in what you can do yeah i loved edge runners and it it actually did bring me back to cyberpunk so i was part of that wave that came back uh but also i want to point out castlevania had a really good adaptation to story Mm -hmm. too which was incredible i just recently watched it and i don't know what took me so long but it is so good and the original castlevania didn't really have that much story either so um Gary, how would you write the animated series if you could? I, I keep going back to your like your writing skills, but I mean, <laughs> it's it. I mean, it's 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 a good question. I think you know. I was just thinking as you guys were talking about how it's it's. I don't know if it's if if there's any kind of uh, causation here at all, but it is interesting how some of the more um, successful or or well received uh, video game adaptations of recent years have been animated. Right? You just you just mentioned uh, Castlevania. Um, we were also just talking about, you know, cyberpunk edge runners, which was very well received. And of course, you know, League of Legends Arcane was tremendously well received as well. And all, and all three of those shows are at Netflix. So Netflix may be, um, maybe looking at animated as, as the way to go with a lot of these, you know, depending on the style of animation, sometimes it's cheaper than live action. So it goes back to that point about, you know, keeping things, um, you know, keeping the budget under control. So you don't, you don't start to feel too, you know, too queasy about the choices you're making, uh, creatively. Um, it, it, it really depends. I don't think I haven't, you know, I've written for live action and, and for animation, and there are some differences. I don't think it necessarily, um, uh, 
changes the the, the, the overall creative approach. I, I go back to my all-time favorite part of the Gears of War franchise, which is that leveling Gears of War 2, where you're inside the guts of the giant alien and you have to kind of cut chainsaw your way out from the inside, cutting through all the, the giant alien intestines and stuff like that. Something like that just kind of seems like it might be, like, if you want to do like really, really crazy stuff like that, might be better suited for animation. Uh, than live action. I just think your suspension of disbelief is a little, goes a little bit farther out um, when you're dealing with um, animation. So there, there might be a better opportunity there. Clearly, they're going to try both, and it remains to be seen if they're two separate projects or if the idea is that the live action show is going to is going to kind of serve as almost like a, a, a kind of a pilot episode or a, or a feature length pilot episode for what is then the the animated series. I'm not sure. Again, it's too soon to know what their plans are but i think you know they're they're, they're going to try a bit of both um but i think if i had to make a guess like where like where is the, the better opportunity again just based on what we've this, we've seen the success that netflix has had lately with castlevania with cyberpunk um and with arcane um you know historically that would suggest that the better opportunity might be in animation yeah and you mentioned animation styles and i'm thinking I don't know what style I would want it in because we got the anime style for both Castlevania and Edge Runners, and I was I was like, well, you know, something like the uh, Love, Death, and Robots style, where it's different each time, would be kind of cool. But I know that would be a lot more work. But it would be really cool to see different artists take on the world of Gears. So I don't know. I, I think it'd be very fun to ponder. Um, I don't know, Paris. What what animation style would you prefer? Ah, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. I almost feel it's cliche that I'm saying it right now, but I I really like the the studio trigger style that that we just saw with Edge Runners. I would I would like to see some, something like that, but but I think Castlevania style works as well. Yeah, you're able to get pretty gory with those too. Yeah. I mean, Edge Runners was really gory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I I I I just to kind of touch on that one last time. It's. Uh, I don't think anime is appropriate because I just I just don't think there's anything like in the Gears of War DNA that suggests that kind of you know creative or um, aesthetic influence. I think they're probably going to go to going to go and try and do something like a little more high end. I don't, but I don't think it's. I also don't think it's going to be just like you know a two hour you know, or, or an animated show that just looks like all the Gears of War cinematics. You know, kind of high end photorealistic blender animation. I don't think it's going to be that either. The reason why I, I mentioned Arcane a couple of times and I come back to it is I, where, where I think they did really really well is it was obviously high-end animation but they also gave it its own unique style like you look at that arcane the, the character design and the animation it's it's beautiful it's high-end it's cinema quality but it's also clearly their own thing like it's not pixar or disney or some other style that they're borrowing they came up with their own unique aesthetic and i'd like to see gears if they're going to do this animated show come up with come up with a style that is uniquely theirs well but I, I i do almost wonder i apologize Destin, but i do almost wonder could the more like like making these characters larger than life right you know the the cog so you kind of overemphasize that they're these big hulking <laughs> muscular dudes out there that are taking on the locust um would that work better but again i don't think there's a right or wrong answer until until you actually see it in practice but i guess that's what i'm envisioning when when i think of an animated gear series like they they really are gonna lean into just making this more less realistic and just more fantasy so to speak I, I guess if that's the right word I, I do think the show will be more like arcane but i'm also just thinking i wonder when we'll hit the point when like unreal engine 5 will start to be utilized to make a product like that because if you take away the video game restrictions that animation would have 
you can make a very stunning Gears television show in that engine. And the Coalition is known for being like the best in the business in terms of how they utilize Unreal Engine 5, or at least one of the best in the business. So I would be curious if they went that route. I don't think they will. But um, yeah, I mean, Unreal is very powerful. Okay, so Dustin, you're kind of hoping you're you're kind of on a uh, Gary's side then. Um, well, Gary said they would do something that's their own, I believe. Okay. I mean, I I hope they would do that. The pro the problem with that kind of high end Blender animation is why people are saying, why hasn't Blizzard just made its own you know two hour you know Warcraft movie that's as good as those cinematics? The answer to that is generally because it's extremely <laughs> extremely expensive. Just making like a five minute cinematic costs a fortune and takes a really long time to blow that out you know to like a two hour movie or in the case of a TV show maybe you know ten twenty hours of, of animation. It's extremely expensive and extremely time consuming. A lot of the reason why you often see these like Castlevania and Edge Runners are done in that kind of anime style is you know not not to denigrate it at all but it's 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 often kind of cheaper and quicker to produce that kind of animation than it is the really you know the very kind of high-end you know what you think of as like the pixar level um stuff or the, or the stuff that you see at the very very high end of, of game animation um it's it's entirely possible that the coalition would say hey look we've, we have all these assets in in ue5 and there's a way to kind of repurpose this and and put it and and and, and have that you know kind of inform the look of the show um again i i'm not technically minded enough to know like how viable that is but again i would much much prefer that the show and the film have their own visual identity than just feel like oh here's like a two-hour cinematic I, I don't think that's what anybody really wants to say yeah I, I i agree i just think it would be interesting to see ue5 utilized in that manner because nobody's done that yeah, I know. I just realized we spent so long talking about this, but that's because, like, there's just so much to talk about. This could go in so many different directions, but we have no idea until more details get announced about the project. So we'll just have to wait for that. Um, but before we move on to our next topic, you're probably all aware of the Callista Protocol, the survival horror game coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC platforms December 2nd. And if you want to delve into this universe early, you should check out Helix Station. It's a Callista Protocol narrative companion podcast that stars Gwendolyn Christie and Michael Ironside. IGN is publishing and distributing Helix Station in partnership with Striking Distance Studios. And we've got a clip from the first episode. Check it out. Yeah, you know, you're right. You probably would get off on some technicality, wouldn't you? Percy, just slap the cuffs on him and get out of there. Sorry, Kane. Bad connection down here, catching a little interference. Percy, don't even think about it. Gotta go. <laughs> Keys. I, I can pay triple whatever you'll get for my bounty. Why don't we talk it through over a warm meal? I'm not hungry. They are. No. No, no, please. Please, please, don't. Please don't. Wake up. It's dinner time. Don't, I'll go. Take me. Take me in, please. Listen to me, bitch! Some doors should never be opened. Please! And some doors should never be closed. You're right. They do look happy to see you. Please! No! No! Please! Get away from me! Get away from me! Go 
on now, Crowbar. Smile for the camera, you goddamn pig! That was a sample of episode one from Helix Station, a Callisto Protocol companion podcast leading up to the release of the game on December 2nd. The first two episodes of Helix Station are available now, and you can find it wherever you find your podcast. So for the second uh, topic, I actually want to skip ahead to you. Um, the Halo Infinite Winner update. I know, Destin, you touched on uh, whether or not Paris was more interested in Destiny or Halo, but, you know, it's fine. We're going to talk about Halo now. <laughs> So um, the winter update just dropped and there's a new 30 tier battle pass being included with the arrival of the winter update, which is great. And uh, it is free for everyone who plays so they can just come in and play and unlock that. Um, so I actually also got to interview the 343 devs. Was it yesterday? I don't know. It's been, it's been a really long week already. Monday. <laughs> it was on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really nice. And we got to talk about the new update. Um, they have a new map, Argyle and Detachment that was all built in Forge and Forge's beta is also coming in the winter update as well. There's a new game mode called Covert One Flag, where uh, it's kind of like capture the flag, but one team gets uh, camo, active camo, and you get to utilize that to try and steal the flag, um, which is really interesting. So there are two different sides. One side is defending, one side is attacking. And um, I actually have not had time to check this out yet, but I'm actually very curious to see how competitive this can get. And they also bring in online co-op for campaign which is really interesting and Destin I want to go to you about this because I know you had a lot of questions for the devs that hopefully I helped answer <laughs> well the the two main things from the live stream that you did and, and really good job on that by the way uh were that they actually addressed the couch co-op glitch that people were getting into and, and commented on it and basically what they said was that the amount of work that it would take to get from 80 to 100 percent would just uh be a huge undertaking and it would mean delaying a ton of other features so uh they didn't say it's like gone forever but they gave a little bit more insight into why that decision was made and that was really appreciated by the community so that was that was awesome they also let us know that it takes about five months <laughs> to make a brand new map in forge for them and i have to imagine that's because they're uh developing sight lines, making sure that it has a good flow, play testing it, and then eventually launching it. Um, community members are in there now with Forge. I have actually played a little bit of the winter update. And unfortunately, my take on it is that it's largely Halo still. It's still Halo Infinite. It still doesn't quite have that hook that's going to get people continually coming back. Forge is very cool. A lot of people are experimenting with it, messing around, but I think for the really good stuff to come out of Forge, that's going to take uh, a few months. That's not going to be like available immediately at launch or anything like that. That's that's going to take time. So um, it's good. It's interesting. We definitely appreciate 343 coming on and, and discussing the the, des the design aspects of it. But yeah, I, it's it's a smaller update, and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it to be game changing <laughs> for. <laughs> Or uh, people hoping that like this would save Halo Infinite or anything like that. I say that in quotes because I actually really <laughs> like the campaign. We're talking about multiplayer more specifically. Okay, yeah. Gary, have you been able to play the uh, campaign for Halo Infinite yet? Yeah, so I played uh, my way through. I never got around to finishing, but I played a bunch of the, the campaign. And I was mostly, when it first came out, I was mostly a big time... <laughs> 
multiplayer player. Historically, with the, with, the, with the Halo games, I'd never really gotten into multiplayer uh, that much. I'm kind of a PC snob about first-person shooters and generally tend to kind of stay on the PC side. Um, but I got so sucked into Halo. And we all remember right, when it first launched, it was like, oh my God, it's actually really good. And then it had yeah. all the fundamentals right, right? The gunplay was really good. The level designs, it was just fun to play, like really good meaty weapon feedback, sound design. Like it was just a blast to play. I was playing it. I was staying up late playing it. I was getting up early in the morning to play it like it's one of those one of those games that when you're not playing it you're thinking about when you can next play it halo infinite really really had its claws into me and then i had the same experience that many many other people had where you just kind of hit a wally like you know i'm kind of tired of the same maps popping in the rotation mm-hmm. kind of tired of the, of the of the same you know uh, game uh, modes and you started to kind of hit a wall very quickly when you realize the fundamentals are great there just wasn't a lot of depth in the content and we were all kind of starting to get frustrated about um you know, just the lack of variety. And there were all those issues about the battle pass and slow progression and crappy rewards and stuff like that. And I just, one day I just like done with Halo. And my worry is, I think they know that. I think they've seen their player base uh, drop off a, 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 drop off a little bit. And there's a lot of players like me, like, like me that just went, yeah, you know what, there's, there's not enough here. And the problem is once you walk away, it can be hard to, to get people back. So, you know, they've obviously, uh, they obviously already did season two. Now they got a winner update. You know, it's a question of, is can they catch up enough because after a great launch i think they really did fall behind and the narrative started to shift a little bit and there's been a lot more negativity around um halo infinite in the in the months since um its initial launch and i think i i do i actually disagree with dustin a little bit i think if anything is going to save it i think it is going to be forge um i think there's obviously tremendous potential there. i think anytime you add any kind of construction set you you really do you kind of breathe new life into a game as long as it's properly supported i think there is the potential for people to come up with you know some amazing crazy stuff as as has been in, in, in the case with you know uh, halo forge um in the past it also maybe this is maybe cynical but it also maybe like takes some of the some of the burden off the developers they're kind of like well like you can make your own levels now like go nuts like we, yeah. you don't have to wait for us to, to build the next level although hopefully they will continue to do that and you know and, and bring out new official maps and levels and game modes and stuff like that but at least now people can amuse themselves coming up with their own maps their own ideas and i think i think if forge is is properly implemented and as and, and as properly executed as, as i believe it can be that i think has the potential to to, to breathe not a, a lot of new life because i know that people love making those forge maps and they love you know just discovering them i'll be very interested to see what kind of system is in place for players to kind of uh, to discover cool new i don't know how this works historically with forge in the past but I, I would like to be able to go in there and see what's trending see what people are playing you know to get things are getting upvoted or downvoted like what are the popular maps what are the hot maps like what you know what's worth my time and attention i don't want to just have to go through a massive library because you know what it's like the truth is when community creates content most of it is trash that's just the reality like they're just it's just bad and i think it does actually demonstrate how how difficult it is to make a good level when you let anyone drift well you try it's actually really hard to make a good level that's well balanced and fun to play and has a lot of longevity but the cream will always float to the top right there will be some really great ideas out there that even the official developers might not have thought of the question is how well can 343 curate that make sure that those that those really um intriguing and and interesting ideas are visible and 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 we're seeing the best that that you know when people make really cool stuff with forge i want to make sure that other players can discover it yeah, the, yeah. The, the main thing that I said, actually, was that I think it's going to take more time for Forge because on day one, day two, everything's broken and it's really hard to find the maps. So like those, it's Forge beta right now and those things need to be addressed before Forge can really take off in the way that you imagine it would, Gary. And like part of the reason I loved Halo 3 so much was because of 
how they handled the the Ford systems then. So potentially uh, in the long run, it will help Halo, but because of that player bleed and just lack of lack of players generally, I think they have a big uphill battle. Like something really amazing will have to come off Forge for people to like reinstall it and hop in and play it. I mean, so Forge does have the Halo Infinite content browser. It will have that, um, which lets players upload to Forge projects for others to download and use. And it also includes a developer curated recommended tab and tabs for more the popular modes, maps, and prefabs created by the community. So there is going to be a search function. Um, Harris, is are you more interested in Forge, campaign co-op, the new multiplayer mode? I'm I'm more interested in Forge and okay. how can I top what Gary said? Gary basically said <laughs> everything that I was going to say, but I, I would add on to that. And, and Destin is correct as well in the fact that it, it's time. Like the, this is day one, early days of them rolling out this Forge beta. Discoverability is going to be one of the huge aspects of this, but it will take time. And part of the, the part of that is what is 343 going to do to enable that 1% of, of the top creators that aren't making the trash maps, that are making these quality maps that you wanna play and you wanna engage with. But maybe maybe they're making this great map and they come up with this great idea. Can three, four, Will 343 have the ability to kinda jump in with that creator and kinda push it over the finish line, right? To really get it to that polished quality product that then they're gonna wanna promote through their discoverability tools, you know, obviously the the in-game browser that you have, you know, maybe there's, uh, you know, on Halo Waypoints showing off on social media, things like that, to to the point that Destin was talking about. The biggest problem that Halo Infinite has is a lack of content. It The people have left. What are you going to do to get them back? Forge, I think, is going to be that opportunity to start getting more maps into the rotation, getting more modes into the rotation that are going to interest people that they're going to want to come back. They're going to want to engage with it and start playing it. But part of that is being patient because it's going to take time to get to that point. And then when you do get to that point, making sure that the community is aware that these things even exist. And I don't think the in-game browser alone is going to be enough because how many people are going to download Halo Infinite and actually go into that browser to know that the stuff is there. So, you know, this is a great first step of what I consider a multi-step process for 343 to kind of reinvigorate this game and get it back to where it is, where it needs to be. I think Forge is the crown jewel of that, but I am excited for uh, campaign co-op because, you know, I'm going to go play with my buddies. We'll play in Legendary. We'll be, do a bunch of dumb things together and have fun playing it because I really enjoy the campaign solo. So, and even when they did the beta uh, co-op, that was pretty fun as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And then obviously just the overall multiplayer. Um, I just hope that 343 continues to curate with with different modes and bring more interesting things to the table that are going to want to get more people to play yeah so in terms of the multi-tiered uh process they also are reworking the um match xp process and the progression which uh the match xp beta system revolves around rewarding players for completing matches uh, a bigger bonus for winning the matches playing the objective and such so that was one of the bigger uh, complaints that I had with playing multiplayer, and I would probably be playing this update for campaign co-op and maybe checking out Forge because I'm absolutely clueless when it comes to building stuff in Forge. 
Yeah, me <laughs> so, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably just going to be back to play campaign with my friend and like, you know, mess around. Um, but yeah, I actually did ask in the interview uh, if XP would be rewarded be rewarded to players who play matches in Forge or something. Uh, because, you know, that is still time that players play in a match. And uh, they said no, not yet, but that is something that they do want to implement in the future. So um, hopefully that does get added to because if Forge is going to be as big of a key in bringing players back to Halo, I feel like that's going to be something that players will probably want to look at. So that's, think... that, that's historically a big issue with uh, multiplayer games and shooter games that let people create their own maps is there's always an issue where if you can generate XP through um, a homebrew map, there's always a, a, a surge of maps that are basically Cheap. just yeah. XP farms, right? Where people yeah. can just like, you know, the, the map is just designed for you to just easily grind <laughs> XP all day. So they have to keep an eye on that. Going back to the bigger issue, but Paris mentioned something that made me realize, here's why it's hard to get me back as a, as a Halo Infinite player. I uninstalled the game. When I, mm -hmm. when, I just, when I decided that I was done with Halo for the time being, I mean, it's sitting there, it's, it's sat there on my Xbox tab for a long time. And I'm thinking, man, that thing's taking up a lot of space. And I can't see myself going back to it anytime soon. Hard drive space is, is the new economy, right, for gamers, right? It, 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 yeah. We're running out of hard drive space all the time. Expansion storage um, is expensive. Use the um, cloud, Gary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just I just play over the cloud. I, I'm not convinced about that either. But you know what I mean. Like the problem is, if that if, uh, there's no point having a thing sitting there taking up 20, 30 gigs when you know it, when it could be used by something I'm actually actively playing. And so once I've uninstalled it, it's that much harder to get me back. Like the, if anything's going to get me back, it's campaign co-op. As I mentioned before, I never finished the original campaign. Mm. But like even mediocre games are so much fun in in, in co-op mode. Like co-op is such a fun multiplayer. It's a fun multiplier. And so if anything's going to get me back, it might be that. But like, again, like even though, even if I'm hearing great things about Forge and, oh, no, you know, Halo Infinite's good again now. Like you should get back into it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And reinstalling it's kind of a big hassle. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, the And also the longer you spend away from a game, this is the problem that they have is like the, the disenfranchised player base that are at least still playing. I think it's easy to win them back over because they'll log in tomorrow and go, oh, there's a bunch of cool stuff here now. Getting people like me to come back when I feel like I've walked away and the, the, the game's kind of in the rear view and there's always something new. You know, especially this time, the holiday season, there's, I, my, there's so many other games that I want to get to. Convincing me, and, every, and everything is an opportunity cost, right? Time that I spend playing a game is time that I'm not spending playing 20 other games that could be more worthy of my time. It's, it's going to be a battle, I think, to get, a lot, to, to, to get a lot of players to come back. But all they can do is what they are doing, right? Which is working as hard as they can to solve the issues which, which they have. Is it not enough content, not enough variety? And... Yeah. And yeah, I think it'll take a while. If you look on Steam charts, like there's definitely a, a large spike. It's one data point, but there is interest in the winter update. There is interest in Forge. And to sort of jump off what Paris said and what Gary's alluding to here, they need something bigger than Forge beta and campaign co-op to get people to reinstall that game. They need that campaign DLC that they've talked about, which I imagine isn't going to be winter 2023. So if this is the first thing that they're doing, the next updates cannot be a bunch of bare bones updates all the way through 2023. It ha they have to be substant substantial in order to keep that player base that they have now playing throughout the year. Because if it's just this, and then there's going to be another drop in the winter of 2023, it's just it just feels like um, not enough. If I <laughs> if I'm being uh, honest from a player perspective. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, and I also kind of feel like money should be no object in terms of whatever resources they have to. Paris and I have talked about this a lot uh, on our other Xbox show, the, uh, the kind of funny X cast, where you know, we both talked about how like, Xbox, uh, uh, Halo is like too big to fail, right? Like it is their mm -hmm. absolute number one. It's their Mario, right? It is, it, it's, it's, you know, Master Chief was on, was on the Series Xbox um, on the packaging for a reason, because that, that is the one character, the one universe that you associate with with Xbox more than any other. It, it launched the, the Xbox and 20 years later, it's still considered the number one thing. So it is too big to fail. I think they made the right uh, choice um, in delaying it back when they did. It still has been an issue for them. They still didn't have enough content ready and, they, and they've been paying the price for that ever since. It just, it feels like that initial honeymoon period when, when they first dropped that multiplayer and everyone was in love with it and all the headlines were, oh my God, Halo Infinite has like done what is so hard for other shooters to do. I remember like 2042 and all these other shooters that were kind of falling on their face, like Halo was, was supreme people were absolutely loving it but that feels like forever ago well, since it's then a it's, year, just, it's a year ago next week yeah like the yeah. The, wor the worm has turned big time and a year is a really long yeah. time in video mm -hmm. games and now the overall you know vibe is just kind of one of like general kind of dissatisfaction and you know we talked we, we talked before paris and i about like is halo even cool to like the current generation of, of gamers like do kids really care about halo or is it or is it becoming like you know the the cold play of video games like something that kind of like dads are into <laughs> it's like super popular but like just not it's never going to be cool with kids when there are so many there are so many other things um out there so they, they do have an uphill struggle but you know this obviously halo infinite is not the end of the of the halo franchise it, it's it continues to be incredibly um economically important to, to microsoft and to, and to xbox and so they have to find a way to write the ship and get people kind of to get the get the feel-good factor back around halo essentially not just for the life of this game but for like the next one and the next one after that like they when you know when inevitably there's another halo game you know a year or two from now whenever it may be they want people coming into that with a feeling of anticipation and excitement and that's going to be harder to do if there's still a bit of a bad taste in people's mouths lingering you know over the fact that halo infinite did not have the long tail that gamers hoped it would have their trail their trailers for their updates also became a meme because like the first five of them were just people running at each other shooting guns <clears throat> and and people were like okay yeah we get it <laughs> yeah. like you have guns in multiplayer uh it is nice that there is something substantial here um uh for people like me that still have the game installed and still play once in a while i have another few things to chase on the battle pass but yeah they they need that hook for everybody else but i i think destin that's kind of been the frustrating thing and it is crazy to think next week it, it'll be a year since the multiplayer came out but um i think that's kind of been my frustration that we've talked about on on our show when you play it it's fun yeah. like i was playing last night it's fun i have fun but there's not enough there to keep you wanting to consistently come back and keep playing. I mean, you know, like even this uh, free battle pass that they're giving us for the winter update, we're going to blow through this in no time. Now what? Now we're going to do now. Now we have to wait until March, right? Until mm -hmm. till season three. So hopefully by that time, they can get on a, a regular cadence of content to, to keep people wanting to come back and play the game. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I, I started out really liking the game and loving the multiplayer and was so happy that there was something new for me to play, but um, I also ended up falling off of it. And now also Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is out, which is also uh, the fastest Call of Duty game to pass the um, $1 billion sold mark. So yeah, that also kind of has my attention currently because it's the next like hot thing and, you know, Call of Duty 
the team deathmatch, like being able to get into matches in and out is so nice and it's really fast. So there's also that com competition that they have too. So um, we're going to have to move on from this topic because we did talk about Halo quite a lot. And I feel like, I feel like it's been a lot of uh, criticisms, but it's, it's all right. It's, it's all very fair. Um, and I think the... <laughs> from, <laughs> from the interview that I did with the devs, it seems like they are very like in tune with like they understand it, but you know, it's just how things are right now. So um moving on, I want to touch on our last subject, which we have to get through kind of quickly. Um, publisher Take Two Interactive has announced another milestone for Grand Theft Auto 5 with 170 million units sold, while Red Dead Redemption has hit the 70 million mark. So during Take Two's quarterly earnings call, the company's investor presentation revealed sales, sales numbers for both series. As a franchise, Grand Theft Auto has sold more than 385 million units with 170 million of those attributed to GTA 5. So uh, Red Dead Redemption sales are up by another 2 million units since the publisher's last earnings call. Uh, the franchise, which includes both Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2, has sold 70 million units worldwide. So these are two of Rockstar's games that have just absolutely soared and in terms of uh, expectations. So Paris, were you a GTA 5 fan? Red Dead Redemption 2? I don't know if you hold one over the other. Can I say neither? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, more GTA 5. It, it's okay. crazy. I'm pretty sure I've I bought that game like three times <laughs> across multiple platforms. Okay. But yeah, it's GTA 5. It, that game just, it's the game that just keeps going. And obviously the online component. Um, I tried to get into Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. It just never 100% clicked for me. But obviously, I understand the big appeal of it, and, and it's 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 Rockstar. So to see those numbers come out of the financial reports, none of that shocked me at all. Matter of fact, even when Grand Theft Auto Six comes out, I, Five will still probably be selling. That's just how big of a, a franchise that is. Yeah, that's fair. I think I played Red Dead Redemption, Redemption 2's multiplayer more and really liked it because there's just so much to it. And also they had that time where they released it for free and also $5, yeah. which was really nice. Uh, so yeah, Gary, do you have an attachment to either GTA 5 or Red Dead Redemption 2? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm a GTA person through and through. I go all the way back to the you know the original 2D uh, GTA game before you know GTA 3 kind of revolutionized it and took it into the into 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 the third dimension and you know the re the rest is history. But I mean, in GTA 5 in particular, I mean, those numbers obviously are are insane. I mean, it is a legitimate you know pop culture phenomenon, and I think deservedly so. It is a fantastic game. I just went back when the when the most recent uh, next gen versions came out, the Series X and PS5 versions. Came out which really was just like a little, a little bit of a remaster it didn't reinvent anything but like it had been a long time since i hadn't played it since the 360 version and i went back and it just reminds me of like what a just what an exquisitely crafted game that is the characters are so much fun the story is so much fun and i talk about this all the time my favorite games i think of not in terms of like a, a game that i play but a place that I go, like you, you go and you, you immerse yourself in another world. And the, the, like, there were times over the years of whether it be anything from like the, the, the 360 version or the PC version that I played for a while. And now that I'm working my way through the campaign again on the Series X, you can just stand on like a street corner in, in Los Santos and just like marvel at like what a what a lived in world this feels like. And I love, I mean, I some of my longest and most fun play sessions with GTA 5, I wasn't even doing story or side quests. I would just do yoga or I'll go play golf or just, you know, kind of <laughs> hang out at the park and watch the sunset at the beach. And it was just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful 
uh world to spend time in and just and just so much fun and i even got sucked into the kind of the no pixel role playing yes. online service for a while which i by the way i think that is the future of gta online online if rockstar can embrace what some of the third party mods and, and online role playing uh, servers have demonstrated as possible uh in los santos i think that that could be the future of, of gta um online i love the original red dead redemption along with mass effect 2 it was probably it was my favorite game on the 360. i was so so excited about red dead redemption 2. i, I paid 100 bucks for like the mega platinum bullshit version because i i was so convinced that it was going to be like my next big obsession and i just could not get into it i tried so hard i found it to be just so slow and inaccessible and i know i'm in the minority here but i also am not the only person who feels this way i've had a lot of people like oh yeah me too like love the first red dead redemption love gta but just could not get into rdr too like there's something about it just yeah. kind of feels like everyone's kind of trudging through molasses like there's just a slow sense of and i think that was a deliberate choice on on rockstar's part they wanted to do something that kind of felt more deliberate and and slow paced it just i just it, i could not get into it and it killed me because again it's such a luxurious beautiful lived in world like you want to live in that world right it's just absolutely stunning i just but the but the pace and the, just the the general kind of like <clears throat> everything was they made everything so hard to do it just i found it, it almost like a like more like a like a simulator than a than the kind of the action game that i wanted to play i just i just found it really really frustrating and it pushed back at me too much and eventually i gave up on it but you know knowing knowing what was possible with with rdr2 and just the level of fidelity that they took that world to that's one of the reasons why gta 6 is like by far my most anticipated game i feel bad for having to cut people off but we are yeah. running out of <laughs> yeah. time um but yeah I'm, I'm really excited for both i think gta 6 will be another great uh release for their franchise and um if they do more red, red dead redemption i would be happy with that as well both of these worlds are just really cool and they're able to create so much within these universes so i'm very excited to see what they do next um now, as we wrap up, we like to do this thing where we go around the table and uh, showcase where people can find you so they can go and hang out with you after the podcast. So Paris, where can people find you? You can find me over at Gamertag Radio. You can also find me over at Kind of Funny as a co-host on the Xcast. And, and, and your Twitter. Oh, and my Twitter. Oh, wait, I didn't know we were talking Twitter these days. Um, yeah, yeah, Twitter, uh, at, at Vicious696. Um, I'm officially unofficial, official, not official, verified. Yeah, Paris was one of those now. people that was official for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Amazing to see. Put it on your resume. Yeah. It was there and it's gone like a puff of smoke. Yeah, well, uh, Gary, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. It's easy to find me. It's just my name, G-A-R-Y-W-H-I-T-T-A. -T -T uh, Twitter is where I'm most active, at least for now. I guess we'll see how that continues to, to play out in kind of the day-to-day -day <laughs> yeah. experience uh, at this point. Uh, but if I'm going to promote anything, I'd love to prom promote my uh, podcast, Gundog, G-U-N-D-O-G. I type that into your favorite podcast provider. Currently doing very, very well in the podcast charts, number three um, in the U.S. on Apple Podcasts in science fiction, number seven in overall fiction on Apple Podcasts. We're doing well all over the world. It's a really, really fun audio drama. Uh, Shannon Woodward um, from Westworld, Troy Baker from The Last of Us. Uh, incredible talent, beautiful music by Austin Wintry, a lot of kind of game industry connections. I called in a lot of favors from my game industry friends to help me make this uh, podcast. And it's available now wherever you get your podcasts. That's Gundog. Awesome. And Mr. Dustin? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Dustin Legary, YouTube, The Dustin Channel, or cookies at Legary Bakery. And uh, Gary, I don't know if we've done a show together before, but uh, I was a big fan of Book of Eli when it came out. Oh, well, it was, thank you. It was, it was great to find out that you were into video games also. 
and get to do this. Yeah, show long before I was. I mean, that was my first career. I mean, I go back to 1988 working on Commodore 64 and Amiga magazines, and then PC Gamer oh. brought me to America, and that's really. I mean, I, that that was kind of my first career before I got into screenwriting, and it continues to be, you know, my 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 hobby. I'm, I'm an Xbox preferred play. It's my play. It's my preferred platform, but I have the PS5, the Switch, the the PC. All the, I got a play date. Like I'm still. I, I've been. I'm a lifelong gamer. I'm never going to stop. Well, well, we're welcome back here anytime. And I mean, you. unless Ryan says otherwise, but I'm going to fight for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dustin, Paris, Gary, thank you so much for joining us today for episode 569 of Podcast Unlocked. And we will see you all next week. External camera 16. External camera 15. Camera 10. Damn it. They're here. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of the Go Kid Go Network. Do your kids love wacky worlds, superheroes, and inventing? Of course they do. That's why our shows Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow are set in Pflugerville, the nonstop fun and adventure universe where imagination, creativity, STEM, and positive role models abound. Join the Pflugerville fun by searching for Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>